You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Friday. We're coming to you live from the Auburn Alumni Center here near downtown Auburn. My name is JJ Jackson, the host of this fine program. Joined today on the program by my pal Ryan Lavoy. Our man Cam Beery is back inside our studios down on South College Street at the Tiger Communications Building of Operation. And what a fun show we've got planned for you today on this Friday as we continue to get you set for Saturday's contest between Auburn and Texas A&M. Another Friday spent here at the Auburn Alumni Center getting you set for the Huddle Tailgate. It is one of our absolute favorite shows each and every year. We are inside today, right inside the doors here at the Auburn Alumni Center and would love for you to come by and say hello to us as we get set for, again, a good football game being played tomorrow between Auburn and Texas A&M. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy on the program today. Ryan, how are things? Uh, doing well, man. Great to be back. Uh, we've had this circled on the calendar for a while, and now it coincides with, I think, probably the most festive atmosphere that Auburn football is going to have had in at least a month or so. I think a lot of people are going to be excited. A lot of people are going to be coming into town. We know it's a sellout, and so we want everybody to come by uh, and check out the Auburn Alumni Center and the Huddle Tailgate, which we'll have more details on in just a moment. But really excited to be here again and uh, this is the last big home game of the year. There is another home game next week against Western Kentucky, but this is the last one against an SEC opponent, and so a lot of excitement and a lot of anticipation for interim Coach Cadillac Williams uh, and his debut he- home at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's going to be so much fun. It's a night game, a 6.30 p.m. kickoff inside Jordan-Hare. The atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric, and you've got to check out the huddle, an amazing game day experience at the Auburn Alumni Center, the last one of the season. For home games, the Alumni Center opens three hours before kickoff and closes 30 minutes prior to kickoff. So that means they open tomorrow at 3.30. The same time pregame coverage gets going with the Tiger Tailgate Show with Andy Burcham on the air on FM Talk 93.9. Of course, the huddle features food and drinks, cash bar, live music, family activities, and visits by Aubie and Auburn cheerleaders. A complimentary food ticket will be available for all contributing members. A complimentary drink ticket, beer or wine, will be available for all life members. A gift will also be available for contributing members as well. And we'll bring in once again another visit with our good pal Todd Deary, the Assistant Director for Marketing Communications for Auburn Advancement. Todd, thanks for letting us come by and hang out in your neck of the woods once oh, again. Man, I'm happy uh, Happy you guys are here. We've got a busy, busy day, as you can see in front of you here at the uh, 
Alumni Center. So, yeah, we're, we're glad you're here. I've never been set up in a more comfortable chair <laughs> and broadcast location in my life. I mean, Ryan, we this is this is yeah. high first class. I, I'm trying not to take too much advantage of it because I don't want to make it look like I'm not doing anything as I just sit very laissez-faire. I'm uh, lunging. Esque, but um, it's kind of hard not to or in lounging. such a comfortable seat. Yes, I, I'm I'm having the time of my life here. Those are nice seats. I won't, I won't and doubt this that. Is, this is why we love the Auburn Alumni Center so much and uh, our friendship with Todd Deary. Every single visit, it gets better, Ryan, right? Um, unfortunately, Mother Nature hasn't been on our side for the second visits each year. Yep. Last year, you guys were inside. We were. That's right. You were not, Ryan, Yep. in this comfortable of a chair, however. I was not. And so Todd was thinking ahead, and he said, you know what? The best for the best, and we certainly appreciate that. And look at this, man. You're, and you're also right by some marble as well. So, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> a first-class operation. Totally. Look at this. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. Tell me about the huddle tomorrow. Yeah, so the huddle's great. If you've never been, it is um, just like a giant tailgate, basically. So imagine if you could uh, tailgate, but inside where there's got AC and everything's temperature controlled. We've got food. We've got a live band tomorrow. We're going to have Aubie and the Auburn cheerleaders are going to be here. So if you're a family and you've got kids, definitely come on out. We've had 1,500 people already RSVP for tomorrow. Holy cow. And we're looking for more. So um, there's going to be food and drinks. There's food trucks here. It's a really great time. You don't have to spend your whole pregame here. We'd love for you to, of course. We're going to have the other games up on the TVs around the center. But definitely stop by, um, say hello, enjoy yourself, and then head off onto campus. When planning an event like this, so much goes into it, Todd. Absolutely so much goes into it. But the one thing you cannot control, unfortunately, is kickoff time for this game to be played. That's right. In the first huddle that we were here for this season, we were getting set for an 11 a.m. kickoff and breakfast, basically, to get set for some Auburn football. And things just fell together perfectly because we've got a night game tomorrow. And so you're right, there will be games being played that's right across the sec and we're going to get to hear you break down those games with us throughout today's t- show Todd, which is amazing but uh, I, like shudder, that, I shudder to think look it, like we get to talk and and, and tomorrow it's going to be at 3 30 in the afternoon that this is taking place like Perfect. it's amazing that the time slot television wise worked out this way yeah and particularly you know with auburn's record we've had quite a few of those early starts right. so i was <laughs> we were believe me when when we schedule an event like this and i do very little for this this is all other people um within uh within the association and within advancement but yeah when we're talking about this you're right the one thing we cannot forecast or predict is the start time and we're always hoping for please at least a 3:30 start time yeah 6 30 is even better 11 is a little a little tough so here at the auburn alumni center again located at 317 south college street in most normal circumstances uh, there is in fact a massive massive giant inflatable tiger head that's out front again mother nature with other plans for things um, tomorrow it should be tomorrow out, it should be it should mm-hmm. be ready to rock and roll because yeah. look the sun's coming we've got auburn football to be played exactly like exactly it, it, good things will happen there um but with that being said today is also veterans day and and there are certain festivities and activities uh to recognize veterans will be happening throughout the week we'll talk about that more throughout today's show but from you guys in particular todd what else can you add to that just uh Veterans Day being today. Yeah, sure. So in advancement in, in Auburn University in general, obviously veterans are a 
we value them. We appreciate them. They're such an important part. Uh, we have our Veterans Resource Center, of course, on campus that does a lot of uh, support for veterans, and we work really closely with them. Right in front of us right now, of course, we have a big uh, military reception uh, that has been happening from 2 to 4 with food, and there's been speakers and uh, color guards been here, and so anybody who has served uh, in the armed forces is is invited to come out to that reception, and we have it every single year. We also give away really cool military coins every year, and these goes out to first responders as well as um, any military folks. And so if they come by, if anybody wants to come by and can hear my voice right now, if they want to come by the Alumni Center, they're a veteran, we'll be happy to give them a coin, of course, and give them our note of gratitude. How close are the armed forces to the Deary family? Uh, yeah, pretty close. My father was uh, in the Armed Forces. He served in the Coast Guard, and uh, my father-in-law served as well uh, in the Armed Forces. So definitely, definitely, my, my uncle was um, big, big, big into the Armed Forces as well. So I've had lo- quite a few family members who have uh, served. What about the Lavois? Uh, yeah, we, I have a couple of grandparents that served, um, well, uh, I think both on my, my, my dad's side, um, I never met my grandfather, but I believe he was in the Air Force. Um, and I know my dad uh, and his family grew up at Pope Air Force Base um, in North Carolina. So we do have um, that connection there, but nothing in the last generation of sure. the boys, I guess. My father was in the Navy for three or four years before I came into the world, and then life changed plans and that sort of thing. And then grandparents, of course, uh, serving in the Army. Uh, and, and so anytime we have the Veterans Day holiday every year, November 11th, uh, we're certainly thinking about uh, those folks that made that decision, that brave, brave decision. Um, and anytime you get to see that intersect with sports, something that we all love so much, like fires me up, man. It absolutely no, no fires me up. Yeah, and I think there'll be some special presentations tomorrow. You know, if you go to any Auburn game, there's always military are always honored. But I think tomorrow is going to be even more of that. And I can't wait to talk about more of that, and we're going to do that after our first time out here on today's show. So let's go ahead and we'll step aside. When we come back, uh, we've got more fun. Again, stop by and say hello to us. A little bit later, we're going to be giving away Auburn football tickets to the game tomorrow against Texas A&M. We've got goodie bags galore for people here uh, that you're able to come on by and grab one of those. So here we are, broadcasting live from the Auburn Alumni Center. J.J. Jackson, Ryan the Boy, Todd Deary will be back after this quick timeout on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy broadcasting live from the Auburn Alumni Center, 317 South College Street. Tomorrow, they've got the huddle tailgate starting at 3.30 with kickoff set at 6.30. Auburn will be hosting Texas A&M. Both teams on the season have a 3-6 overall record. Both teams 1-5 in the SEC. As we move forward here with our program today and happening right now at the Auburn Alumni Center, game day for Heroes 
being recognized. And now we're incredibly honored to be joined by our good pal Todd Bennett, who's here with us today. Todd, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit more about Game Day for Heroes, what you guys are up to here. Well, we're, we're super excited. You know, Game Day for Heroes has had a long association with Auburn. It was started by the Columbus Phoenix City uh, Auburn Club, a part of the Alumni Association here. And then it became its own nonprofit. And we bring about a, a, a thousand uh, fans that are military to uh, sporting events across the country and especially here at Auburn. Auburn Athletics is very generous to donate tickets to every game and so we do a tailgate for those guys and uh, then we go over and and enjoy some great Auburn football. No doubt about that and we're hoping we get to see a good game tomorrow between Auburn and Texas A&M. Tell me a little bit about your background Todd. So I'm uh, retired from the U.S. Army. Uh, I was injured in Iraq and how I came to be a part of Game Day for Heroes is after, after my injury I was in a dark place like a, a lot of veterans with PTSD and a traumatic brain injury and game day uh, heroes brought me from out in Texas at Fort Bliss back to an Auburn game actually Auburn Texas A&M in 2012 no kidding and that was a, a transformative thing for me because I was around other veterans I started to open up I was a guy that couldn't even walk into a Walmart I mean, around crowds and there's a big crowd here today I'm doing fine <laughs> uh, but that's a lot of thanks to game day for heroes because you get around your brothers and sisters and we have a tailgate we have fun we get comfortable with each other and then you're in a stadium with 87,000 people first so. first and foremost thank you so much for your service thank you and, and with that being said you're an Auburn alum as well, right? I am. What do you remember about your days as an Auburn student? Uh, just, you know, the great atmosphere, the camaraderie. I think one of the greatest things uh, that Auburn has in recruiting is to say we're a family, and that is the, the Auburn spirit. <laughs> the spirit's unafraid and, and family. And, and you can see today, you know, hundreds of veterans here at the Alumni Center, and we're family. So, so Auburn came first or service came first for you? A little bit of both. Okay. Actually, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was here at Auburn after my first uh, enlistment in the military. And uh, then I got called up for the Gulf War while I was a student at Auburn. So, so I, uh, I got called out, and then I came back, and then I went back in the military after finishing my, my time at okay. Auburn. And, and so what was it that was important for you or, um, when you're talking to veterans or, or, or those that have shared experience to get involved with something like this? Why is it important for, uh, for those that have served and for veterans to, to be a part of something like this? I think the biggest thing is our war is over. Let's get our lives back. And that's the, the secret sauce of Gabe Day for Heroes because people come to have a good time and be around their families and go to a great Auburn game or any of the other universities that we do around the country. But what they find is an ability to to be around other people, to feel connected back to the military. And we also have great mental health programs that we offer from Game Day for Heroes. So when we identify a veteran that's struggling, we get them into counseling. Uh, we also do great trips that we take veterans on that are therapeutic fences. Every year uh, we work with Heroes to Heroes to take 14 area veterans to Israel. And we work with the IDF over there and match American military with with the Israeli Defense Force military that are suffering from the same things and visit all the holy sites and all of the uh, military sites. It's transformative. We have had a 100% uh, success rate with that program because a lot of the people we are taking have have moral injury from combat. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of them 
or having those deep thoughts where they might not want to continue their life. We've had 100% success with that, changing their lives and building a family around those service members. Working with Game Day for Heroes and being around sports, have you found that sports is one of the most effective tools to help veterans come together and have something else to kind of be a part of and take part in? I think so because it's it it kind of takes you out of your element, uh, gets you involved in something with a lot of spirit. I think a lot of our veterans that have never been in an Auburn game are just completely taken back by the spirit and the friendliness of this campus. And um, so when they, they come and they, they go to one of these games, things change, even if it's for three hours. If, you, if you're fighting that moral combat uh, stress that you're dealing with, three-hour break is three hours that you cherish and so that's why so many of our veterans come come back and, and take part in in our especially the tailgate and, and the game experience while in service how much again very important things happening and, and what you guys are doing but how much are sports a topic of conversation almost as an escape or anything like that as you reflect back on oh definitely uh, you know that's that's 90 percent of what we talk about right. when deployed <laughs> and uh the armed forces network always does a great job of putting games on the radio and on tv even you know in iraq i i was able to watch you know the auburn alabama game and uh wow. just huge crowds of, of soldiers show up and and take part of that so it is it, it, sports is a great escape I, I think not just for the military but for anybody you know a, an opportunity to just really enjoy the 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 fun and the camaraderie of, of college athletics honestly that's why i think i do you know when you do something like this is because it does in a way feel like an escape and it is something that can unify so many people from all over the place i mean we get paid to talk about sports for a living, Ryan and I. In the grand scheme of things, things are okay, right? But, Ryan, there's so much deeper to it because it's like, man, we'd be watching this game any other way otherwise, and, and let's find something that we can all kind of put differences aside and be able to support the same teams and that sort of thing. Yeah, we're used to talking about the X's and O's and having people get mad at us uh, for right. opinion they don't like or, or <laughs> a coach they want fired. But, you know, I think it's – important to remember the bigger picture here and for what you guys are doing is trying to provide opportunities that maybe someone like us take for granted but for you guys to be able to have that camaraderie as you say in a way that you know is a lot more fun you know and 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 not as deeply important as some of the struggles of this world and the conflicts of this world Um, and so when you've been working with game day for heroes and and you've been able to meet all these new people work with all these new people has that been really um beneficial to you personally and just to everyone around you to be able to meet these new people with a different cause that's trying to come together oh without a doubt you know uh, all the time people people will come up and and say thank you for for putting on this program but you know what this program gives more back to me um the ability to serve my brothers and sisters in the military is is incredible and being an auburn graduate being able to be around auburn athletics and 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 that's what i do for you know every every day is is a blessing because i don't think you know i i I see all the the things that go on about our, our coaching change and things like that but you know um there's so much more in sports when you meet these young athletes 
that care so much about each other and care about this university. Uh, when you meet the administration staff, when you meet the, the great people here at the Auburn Alumni Association, you just really, you know, it, it just gives you a great feeling. It, it is a awesome community we have here at Auburn. I, I'm, I'm so proud to be an Auburn alumnus. How can somebody help with your cause and how can someone chip in or if they want to get involved what can they do i think there's two really great ways Uh, number one if you're not going to make a game donate your tickets to game day for heroes it's really easy uh, on our website gamedayforheroes.org there's a, a donate tab and it completely tells how to uh, transfer your tickets uh, for Auburn or you know any other school we, we, we send uh, we send veterans to schools all across the country and uh, but you know if you can't last minute you can't make the game donate your tickets uh, to game day for heroes and then we have the opportunity to get those in the hands of some some active duty military and veterans uh, the other way is is the financial support, and sometimes we suffer in that area at Game Day for Heroes because so many people do donate their tickets that uh, people forget that there's there's a financial cost to try to run a program like this. Well, we're going to help in that way, and we're going to make a donation of tickets. Oh, awesome! Thank to Game you. Day Thank for you. Heroes for tomorrow's game, Todd. And um, I'm, I'm looking GameDayForHeroes.org. There's an online store that's involved as well for Correct. people to get some Correct. swag from you guys. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, we certainly do love that. But also some tailgate action. Tell me about some of these tailgates that you guys were able to put together. So uh, we, we do uh, – Everybody we, loves a good tailgate. You know, we're, <laughs> yeah. really, we're really lucky here at Auburn because we have some uh, great local sponsors. Uh, for instance, uh, tailgate guys, uh, they provide a tailgate area for us. Uh, local businesses provide uh, all the, the – the fun food and fellowship that we have, you know, like uh, Southeastern, you know, they they are great. Uh, John Hank over there is one of our board members. And um, so when veterans come to the tailgate, you know, everything's there for them. So they come and have a good time. And then we encourage them to take part in the pageantry of Auburn football and do Tiger Walk and, and walk around the campus and enjoy everything there is to, to, to see and do here on campus. Well, Todd, thank you so much again for your time on the show with us here today. Thank you for your service as always, and uh, hopefully we see a good game tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing what that looks like. I think it's going to be a great game, and uh, the energy around Cadillac. Uh, yeah, no I, kidding. I think we're all excited to to see that energy. Uh, I, I noticed he ran more than our running backs did uh, <laughs> last week, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that in person, seeing him uh, running up and down the sidelines. He, he makes me want to run through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Fun game game tomorrow between Auburn and Texas A&M. It's Todd Bennett, game day for heroes, joining us here on Sports Call. We'll take our next time out right now and be back with more fun here on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. 
Quick in the sports call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy here at the Auburn Alumni Center, 317 South College Street. Do want to give some love to our man Cam Barry back inside our Tiger Communications studios, keeping us on the air as the huddle tailgate. What an amazing game day experience. It is tomorrow at the Auburn Alumni Center, last one on of the year. Uh, we've got bottled water, soft drinks, and popcorn all available for all guests. Live music will be provided by Shackleford Lane. Aubie and the Auburn cheerleaders will make an appearance. For tomorrow's tailgate, contributing members of the Alumni Association will receive a special gift, free food, and life members get a free drink ticket as well. We've got Todd Deary here with us. We've got Auburn and Texas A&M being played tomorrow. And Todd, since the last time you were on the program with us, there's a different football coach leading the Auburn Tigers. Cadillac, interim head coach. What do you think? Well, I think he's brought a new energy and a new style to the sidelines. And, you know, the long term sort of remains to be seen what the X's and O's feel like under him if they're much different. But he has definitely brought you, – you just look over on the sidelines and it looks completely different than it, than it has before, right? And I, I think it's – the game is sold out tomorrow, right? Two, three win teams and the game is sold out. So I think I think it shows you that Auburn fans appreciate somebody who brings some energy and some passion to the work. Yeah, I think what you're looking at when you're looking at Cadillac Williams is you're looking at a guy that unquestionably loves Auburn, loves the opportunity he's been given. And at a time where under the last 20 games or so of, of Brian Harson, you, you had to wonder – um, a lot about him and you had a lot of people that weren't fired up about the program obviously a lot of transfers and that's not and you know necessarily unique to Auburn there's been a lot of transfers in college football period the last couple of years record numbers but I think that you've seen a lot of disinterest in the program the minute it started to go bad a lot of frustration and even though Auburn was not able to win against Mississippi State just the fight back just the ability to feel like you had a chance to win the game, to feel like there's this can-do mentality all about the ball, as Cadillac Williams said. And what I think at minimum Cadillac has done is he's given this program some some fan interest resuscitation. And, and when you are three and six, it doesn't really matter where you are. Fans are going to be disinterested, typically. That's right. But this – four-game stretch here is the best possible scenario in terms of fan interest and excitement because of what Cadillac Williams is, is doing. And I think what his, his mentality has been is kind of emphasizing that I think when Auburn does make a coaching hire that it's probably further helped his case that he's going to be on the staff next Correct, year because yeah. it was kind of – I won't want to say it was unknown what Cadillac's true value was prior to now because obviously working with running backs and having the name Cadillac Williams, that's going to hold some weight. But you immediately had a Tank Bigsby situation where everyone knew how talented Tank was and as a matter of fact felt like Tank had not lived up to his his true potential or true expectations after that freshman year. And so – you could at least made the argument that it's not a must-keep for Cadillac prior to interim basis. But now you see that he's got so much passion for what he does, so much passion for Auburn. And because he is now getting this experience, 
He's obviously had the experience being running back coach for a few years, but now he's getting this experience. That name, that tenacity is all being out there on display. I think it's much more reasonable to say whoever the next head coach is needs to put that guy on his staff. Whereas the other, any other time, you wouldn't have mandated a running back coach be on someone's staff. But now that you've got to see all of what Cadillac Williams can offer, can you really make a great argument that there's going to be some other running back coach out there that's going to fit better than what Cadillac could do? And I think that he's really created a lot of value for himself right now. So how much do you think how much do you think it's it's a matter at this point of style? If you get what I mean, like Harson was very stoic and you know often his arms were sort of folded and he he didn't necessarily look I don't think he looked disengaged but he he was just very flatline, you know, and his press conferences were very flatline and and things along that nature. If let's say he would have been much more animated and emotional do you think that would have do you think that would have helped bring the auburn crowd along with him when he was having trouble or, or not or is that just that would have made a difference well i think it wouldn't have hurt because i think when you kind of label yourself as this kind of stoic and even keel and you know i know what i'm doing type of thing and then you're not willing to be uh you, you don't show humility when something goes wrong you know, even if – we've talked about this before – even if the players don't execute the plays, even if there's just unbelievable mistakes like dropping a ball that, that a coach could never correct, if you're just going to drop it without someone touching you, you still have to take the blame on yourself. And that wasn't always evident with Harson. So it, it, I don't think it was necessarily maybe how he carried himself on the sidelines or – or that sort of thing. I think it's more about the attitude off the field that, you know, it, and he wasn't an all shucks guy. He wasn't a guy that was really likable uh, in, in any way uh, because I think that you could say, oh, I, I originally I liked, you know, that he doesn't take any any nonsense or, or yeah. you could, you could yeah. like that, you know, you could like that sort of thing, that workmanlike attitude. But once you start losing – it gets old. That kind of attitude gets old. And it's not that you have to start relenting that part of it, but you also have to open another door that says, okay, we're going to keep fighting like hell. I understand that. Well, I've also need to do better. Sure. And, and, and a lot of people got mad at Gus for that because Gus would feel like a little, a little arrogant with his offense and I know what I'm doing offensively, et cetera, et cetera. And people get frustrated because they say, well, the other team knows what you're doing because you just ran up the middle seven straight times. Or, you know, your offenses have been declining. The defense is carrying you here in the last year or two. And, and so people start to get frustrated in that same thing. And that's the quickest thing fans will get frustrated with is even if it's true, even if they don't know as much of the coach, when the coach tells them you're not in the meetings or you don't know what you're talking right. about, you know, that's always going to anger people. That's going to anger the media. It's going to anger the fans. And, it's, it's again, even if it's true, it's one of those PR things. Even if it's true – you need to say something else. It just feels like that lack of humility that you mentioned. If there's one trait that Auburn fans do not like in a coach, it is lack of humility. And that really comes back to hurt you. It's You can sort of get away with it when you're winning. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Sort of win, winning cures all, as they say. But when you, when you start losing and you're not showing 
that humility. You're not taking some of the blame yourself. You're, yeah, I remember Spurrier, you know, used to, used to really hate when they would lose, and he would, he would talk about how, you know, they practiced that, but, you know, they just on the field. The guys didn't do it, and it's like, yeah, Steve, we, we know. <laughs> you're, you're CYAing it right now. We get it, but, of course, you know, he's winning 80% of his game, so, so who cares? But when you're losing suddenly and you have that lack of humility, you have that stoic nature, you don't have that love for where you're at, that appreciation. I mean, what Cadillac oozes to me is appreciation Yes. right above, above everything. And, gosh, if there's anything that the Auburn fan base responds to, it's that. And it was earlier in the week, uh, his Monday press conference, uh, that, that we had to watch after the fact. Uh, did it at 3 o'clock right when the show comes on the air. But Cadillac was asked specifically, what is that moment going to be like for you when you run out of the tunnel as the head football coach of Auburn? And he's nearly brought to tears. I mean, well, you weren't seeing that from other coaches. I mean, this this is just great. one of the most you, decorated players of all time, and now he's going to run out as the head coach. But can you think of another of another instance where an interim – he's not treating this like an interim head not coach. Not at all. I mean, he is going full hog in, like this is the first year of a five-year contract. Right. He's, on. he's bringing back, you know, old players that are going to be in the locker room and run out. He's like – he's immediately like, let's flip the pageantry switch and let's let's just flip the script on this and see what happens. That's what I really love about it. Well, and I mean, again, I, I go back to he's creating value for himself because yes. not many people get the opportunity to be even an interim. And guys have – I'm not saying Cadillac will get this Auburn job. I, I do not believe that. But guys have gotten head coaching jobs at their schools by doing good as an interim, yeah. Wh- whether it be a good thing or a bad thing. You look at Ed Orgeron uh, and what he did at LSU when he was the interim, he, he becomes the head coach because of that. I mean, guys can get that. And so with Cadillac's unique opportunity to be the interim, it might not be about, you know, being a head coach next year. It's not. But it could be about getting a really good staff position for next year, which increases sure. your career path to where a few years down the road you say, oh, I remember that guy was interim. I remember what he brought to, the, to that table. He's now a little more seasoned. Maybe he is the guy. So that can only help him. He's just creating value for himself. I think you're right. I think it's almost impossible for him to imagine not uh, coming, staying with the team, even if with they bring in an outside coach or – you know, you could see him going somewhere else potentially and maybe being an OC somewhere, you know, something like that. I don't know. I, I think from a tactical standpoint, you know, there's just not a big enough sample size to know sure. oh, you yeah. know, how, how he is as a head coach. But you certainly know how he relates to players and you certainly know how he can recruit and you certainly know how he can handle running backs. So you have you, know, you have some of that track record. But, you know, the larger one, I don't think the sample size is going to be big enough with this no. team this year anyways to make any decisions. But. Yeah, I think it is an interesting question where he where he goes going forward for sure. And I think any any coach that comes in would be really smart to make him a part of the staff and make him feel like he's taking a step up. Sports call right now on Tiger ninety five point nine FM and on the Tiger Communications app. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show on the year since nineteen ninety five. And we mentioned bringing back former players. We're going to do that right now, Todd. So we're going to get you to play uh, musical chairs here for just a moment. And we are so incredibly excited to bring on a very special guest here on the show getting settled with us here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show the Auburn Tigers in their history have two national championships one in 2010 and one in 1997 many people well aware of that 2010 team having Cam Newton as the quarterback in 1957 Lloyd Nix was the quarterback 
for the Auburn Tigers. And Lloyd joins us here on the show. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. You Thank look you. great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. 1957. What a special year that was for what the was Auburn Tigers. Year. Look at that. <laughs> Got the championship ring here with you. Yeah. What do you remember from those playing days, Lloyd? We had great athletes, as they do now. And uh, we all played together, and it was just a perfect situation. Without a doubt. For us to be in Auburn. And we visit back uh, every home game. We're here at all the home games. And we'll go away some games, but we don't go to all the games. But we we are uh, here for the home games. So what is your favorite memory of that 1957 team? Uh, beating Alabama. <laughs> that is going to be an Auburn answer yeah. right there. Um, things obviously have progressed so differently just in the last few years in college football. But in, the, you know, in those days, you obviously you didn't have a, a true playoff. You didn't have a national championship game. No. So what was conversation like <clears throat> around the team as they you know, started to realize we could actually be – AP national champions. You know, that's funny that you asked this question because I did not know it was all voted on at that time. And uh, Woody Hayes at Ohio State and Coach Jordan uh, stayed back and forth at each other about who should be the national championship. And, uh, of course, Coach Jordan thought we should be because we played the schedule we did. Uh, Ohio State did not play the toughest schedule as we we played. And now, if you're in the Western Division, <clears throat> then uh, you're in the toughest division in football, I feel like, because you play all uh, the West games, and they're all tough. They all tough. Yeah, I was about to say, the more things change, the more they stay the same, and that sounds like that that schedule winning out for Auburn then, as it as it would now. Uh, what do you think of the experience now on a game day? Obviously, we, we've seen this thing progress to an eighty-seven thousand seat stadium. All these Auburn fans coming each and every. We got to sell out for tomorrow against Texas A&M. What does that environment uh, feel like to you? Well, it's all good. But when we played, we had 34,000. How many? <laughs> 87,000 now. 87,000. That's nearly two and a half times. Yep. The, uh, yes, sir. And I'm, I'm, I wasn't a math major. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. Way different. Much bigger video board as well. No, no, I mean, you, you watch the replay of the action that's happening yeah. after it happened. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Lloyd Nix is here with us on the program, and uh, it's just so fun to think about those championship teams. Obviously, Ryan and I weren't around <laughs> during those days uh, when that happened, but it's so cool that uh, to see you guys come back and, and be celebrated and that sort of thing for all the success that you had for Auburn football. We had some great football players and some great teams, and uh, it was just a great to be an Auburn and an Auburn fan at that time, uh, we were talking about uh, 
the recruits now. Uh, I feel like, and I want people to come to Auburn to play for Auburn because they're Auburn fans, not because Auburn gives us a scholarship, but because it's Auburn. And I think that's what they're doing now. I love it. Lloyd, what are you up to these days? Well, I, I practiced dentistry for years, and uh, I retired, and uh, I come to football and baseball. I play baseball here, and I come to football and baseball games, and I'm going to the basketball game either whenever it is. Tonight, yes. Tonight. I love it. That's awesome. So we just stay involved with Auburn. Well, it's so good to see you and uh, absolutely love celebrating the winners and, and the wins that you had, and hopefully we get more Auburn football and Auburn everything wins because Auburn truly is an everything school. That's right. Well, War Eagle to War you. War Eagle, and thank you all for having me on. It's been a great pleasure. Absolutely. Yes, that is Lloyd Nix, and he's joining us here on Sports Call as we wind down our first hour of the show here today on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Just a few minutes left here in the hour, and you never know who's going to show up at the Auburn Alumni Center. There's a very special Auburn alum, Mr. Lloyd Nix, right there. Well, absolutely, and, uh, you know, I think with uh, any time you've got an Auburn game day, any time you've got a situation where um, Auburn people get to come together, you know, that's one of the things that makes Auburn special is that you're always part of the Auburn family, and you're always able to come back here and um you know it's it's awesome to always be a, a part of history and relive history and, and that sort of thing and uh you know i think that uh anytime look you know you've got we've talked about the excitement around the program you talked about uh the sellout for tomorrow night so you've got a lot of people uh excited to be here and it's not you know all always about wins and lo- wins and losses as much as we talk about it and prefer the wins but again it's about these experiences and the people that you meet and just being a part of this Auburn family and so anytime people get a chance to come back and that's why we're in a building like this in the <laughs> Auburn alumni center right. bringing Auburn family together across generations and so really cool deal right there 34,000 fans and now there's a Bo- 87,000 yeah. 34 fans. significant right. Bo Jackson although it's still before his time but uh Yeah, quite a bit more now. I mean, and Lloyd Nix not only the starting quarterback for our 1957 national championship team, but also a baseball player for the Auburn Tigers as well. Dual sport athlete. Yeah, and he said he still comes back to baseball games too. What a superstar! So he's still absolutely uh, keeping track of those two sports. Really fun moment here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show as we come to the end of our number one here today, broadcasting live from the Auburn Alumni Center. Plenty of goodie bags to be given away here on our program. Come by, say hello to us. We're back with more fun after this. With Todd Deary and Ryan the Boy, I'm J.J. Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. 
You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here with Ryan LaVoy. Cam Berry is back inside our studios, making sure we stay on the air and taking your phone calls. If you would like to chat with us, you can call us, 334-887-3401, or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 to be on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We're at the Auburn Alumni Center. The huddle is an amazing game day experience at the Auburn Alumni Center. This is the last one of this season. It's going to open three hours before the game, so that's 3.30 tomorrow, featuring food and drinks, a cash bar, live music, family activities, and visits by Aubie and the Auburn cheerleaders as Auburn gets set to take on Texas A&M. Both teams, 3-6 and six on the year with a 1-5 record in the SEC. Is Jimbo Fisher going to survive this? Ooh, that's uh, that's the question of the day, is if he's going to. Um, and is and is the difference? Is there a difference in should he versus will he? Well, yeah, I think I'm not really sure if he's going to or not. Well, should he? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know if he should. Yeah. So let's just say what. It, so you're saying, JJ, if Auburn comes out tomorrow, what if they beat him by a couple of touchdowns? What would happen? Yeah. I mean, I There's, I don't know if there is a difference because as I a, think mean, as opposed to them losing by a point or or them winning. I'm just saying I think that you've had a bad season either way and I think they'll lose to LSU so they're not going to a bowl game. So it's like 4 and 8 versus 5 and 7. I feel like if, don't Texas A&M I feel like Texas A&M fans feel like they had this girlfriend and she was really beautiful, and they were everything was wonderful. And then it went south, but they don't know how to say goodbye to them. <laughs> you know sure. I mean? Like then, so they're in this like really bad relationship. Sure, that's <laughs> what this. That's what it looks like from the outside. I don't know if that's what it feels like. So A and M has Auburn and LSU, right? And then some nobody left. Is that what they? Or is there another SEC for, game for left A&M for A and M? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, I don't actually. Well, don't. they're one in five in the SEC. So, so yeah, they've got they've got a nobody game. left. Yeah, so that's why I said the difference in four and five. Yeah, I wins. guess Auburn doesn't. I mean, you let him coach the rest of the year, Jimbo. Yeah, I okay. Let me. Is let there me any give chance you, he saves his job? Okay, let me be weird. Okay, let me. Okay, let me take a. I believe this. So I'm not taking a contrarian stance, although it is the not the popular stance. He's going to be I, coach of the year. I, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I'm. I, I would probably pick the north texas coach before (laughs) jimbo fisher um 
But well, you said contrarian, <laughs> so I was going all the way. I I think they should give. I do not think they should fire Jimbo Fisher, and the reason is is that if you're telling me that you failed with an up and comer at Houston and Kevin Sumlin, so the group of five up and comer, and you failed with the big name guy that's won a national championship somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I start to tell I start to ask myself well, what's actually going to work here. And I know that it's a really bad year and I get that. But it's not like he's never had a good year there. He he did. 2 yeah. years ago they yeah. go to the New Year's Six Bowl, they go 10 and 1. Uh you know, it, I think that they, you know, if you look at it the way you you should look at some other things under a normal year, they would have won their non-con game, so they would have been 11 and 1. Um, you know, because they didn't have those they non-con have fillers, yeah. yeah, and and then all of a sudden you're, I I don't, I don't know how the scenario would worked out, but maybe they're knocking on the door of the playoff at the minimum as they did. They went to a New Year Six and won a New Year Six. That's a really good year that everyone can accept as a good year. Um, last year we went back to what nine and four, I think. Yep. Which was just meh, and now you've had the bad year. I'm not saying it will work. Uh, it could very much so go back to, you know, another five or another six-win team next year. But I think that when you're paying that kind of money, again, and this goes back, I think you can say this, and people get frustrated with this because they don't like this answer, but it is real. If you don't know who you're going to get, what you've got to make sure you're getting something better than what you've got. Auburn didn't do that two years ago. Right. And that was a that's here we are. And so with Texas A and M, obviously you can do a lot better than what this year is. Right. But is Jimbo going to do this every single year? I would hope not, because for fifteen years he's not done this. You know, he had seven or eight really good years at Florida State. He's had four way better years than this at than A and M at A and M. And so history says he's not a six and six coach. He's far better than that. He might not be what he's being paid to do. He's not, he, he's being paid to be a, a, a playoff coach or an SEC championship game coach, and he's not succeeding in that. But I would just say that if I'm texting him, I need him to work. Yeah, but the 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 difference is is the money, right? The difference is is the salary. I you're, mean that's that's one. Well, of, I mean that's you, one of the differences. You're right? gonna pay it either way, though. And so I, I don't mean the difference between being fired or, or still remaining on. I mean, I think that's part of the buyer's remorse for mm-hmm. Texas A&M is the amount of money you're paying him versus what he's, how he's performing. So it makes you disgusted enough to where you just want to get it out of, <laughs> get it out of there? I'm just saying if he, was making, if he was making a more modest salary, perhaps, perhaps A&M fans wouldn't have the, the exact same feeling that mm-hmm. they do. But he is being paid like he is one of the top five coaches, five coaches yeah. in the country, and I just don't think that he is. But I'm, but I'm right. also with you in the sense when people always say, well, should you, should you fire Brian Harson? Should you fire Coach X or Coach Y? Should you fire Jimbo Fisher? Should he be let go? For what? That's right. always the, that's always the question. For what? There's a lot of talk about if he goes that that Lane would go to A and M. So now you're saying, would you rather have Lane Kiffin and with the resources at A and M mm-hmm. over Jimbo Fisher? That's certainly a discussion you would have. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? That, and see, I would. <laughs> I definitely right. would. So, yeah. So then, in that case, you you would pull sure. the trigger. Yeah. And look, A and M is a desirable job because of those resources. And they're and only so, and and also with the NIL and their mm-hmm. money, that Texas Which money, is proven already, already just off these this last recruiting cycle. So you know the who you're going to get again is not a perfect argument. It, it's a valid question, but it's not the end of 
end of this discussion, you know, because you still, as you said, I mean, when you've got a big school, there's going to be people interested. It's been happening in Auburn the last few weeks with national media saying, well, who's Auburn going to get if they fire? Well, that's Auburn did not roll up and become Sanford overnight. No disrespect to a nice FCS program in Birmingham. But, you know, Auburn is still a, a, a high-level job. I mean, it's still better than 100 of the jobs in the country. That's right. You know, it's a top 15 job. That's right. And so I know there's difficult circumstances, and I know that this coach was up against it from the beginning. That doesn't mean that 30 people out there are now like, oh, you know what? I really like my lock tech job. I really want to be, you know, the Kansas head coach instead of being an Auburn. You know, it doesn't doesn't work like that. And so I guess going back to Texas A&M, I haven't even begun to think about their head coaching candidates because with the discussion just been so much about Jimbo. But, you know, I suppose if you've got – if Auburn's got access to Lane Kiffin, why wouldn't Texas A&M have access to Lane Kiffin yeah, you know, right. and, and his thoughts? And but Also, one thing that's different with an A&M job as opposed to the Auburn job is from a recruiting standpoint, the, the cabinet is full there, whereas here, you right. know, the, here there's not nearly enough talent. At A&M, there's a surprising amount of talent right now. So that probably works. Don't you think that works in Jimbo's favor where he can say – Look, we didn't have a good year this year, but look at all the talent we've right. got. Yeah, let me you work know? on it. It kind of yeah. works both ways, right? Because people would say you got all this talent and you haven't made anything of For it. For sure. Right. But you know, the, the 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 two strikes. The thing to me that buried Harson was when you started hearing all the stories about him not going out and recruiting. Yes. And of course, then you didn't have the results either. And right. then it's, it's like, well, okay, so we're we're not winning on the field. And not winning at home. <laughs> that's right. And we're not winning at home, and we're not winning the recruiting battle. Okay. That's it. You know, there's nothing to fall back on. There's no talent to fall back on. There's nothing to say, well, wait till next year. You know, this has just been a weird year. I didn't need to be convinced by you because I truly hadn't formulated my thoughts on the matter. It was just like everybody's talking, what's the future of Jimbo Fisher? And so, yeah, let's contribute to that conversation. But, yeah, I don't think you can pull the plug on him. I mean, you Money can't. aside, I just <sighs> give it some. And, and then the number, they, they the number one it. recruiting class, they can the number one recruiting class, where do you – where in college football do you see 18-year-old freshmen contribute? I mean, you do have some cases, yeah. right? But it's not – you don't see successful teams not team that wide, they are yeah. entirely made up of. It's not basketball Mm-mm. that you've got these five stars right. that it's, are coming together Kentucky. and are able to play. Yeah, it's not Kentucky starting five or But something. you're able to just be like – you know, it takes a couple of years for those five stars to turn into which is what he great could appeal, players. Which is what he could appeal to, right? Right. That, that, right. that could be his argument I think, back. I think the bigger question is, as we move forward and, and look at this game in detail with Auburn and Texas A&M, and we're at the Auburn Alumni Center, Die Hard Die, one of our top callers, was just here to say hello to us. Great to see him and catch up a little bit. Uh, was, okay, what's the quarterback situation here at Texas A&M? Because with any team, that's truly where it starts. Max Johnson transfers in from LSU. We know Haynes King, the known commodity. And now we've got a true freshman that's playing football for Texas A&M. So I think quarterback is kind of the bigger picture here for A&M and making sure you got that settled. It is. And so let me make a, a counterpoint to what I <laughs> – Counterpoint your count, counter, your Counterpoint, counterpoint your myself. Point. Yeah. Oh, I love so it. So something that's going on because of the transfer portal, because of – 
just the jumpy nature now of, of it's so accessible to transfer to places is I, I wonder if it's going to be more about who you can get to transfer in and not who you actually can develop. Because one of the things that Jimbo Fisher was supposed to be good at was quarterback development. And so you've got a situation where he worked with Kellen Mond for a long time. And, I mean, and Kel- he, he got no better. Ke- Kellen Mond got, like, if he was like a 78 out of 100 quarterback, he was like a 79 or an 80 when he graduated. I mean, it was <laughs> just, just inching. It went from – it went from second and one to NCAA th- rating overall, th- third and half a yard to fourth and inches. I mean, just just inching his way towards getting marginally better, and now he's got Haynes King, who he wanted to be his quarterback last year. He, that's who got hurt a couple games in. Then Calzada came in, and Haynes King is not very good. He's not. They've been they they looked at Max Johnson. Max Johnson's not any better than he was at LSU. I mean, th- there's no sign of development there. And so I guess my question is, is that enough of an indictment already to say, well, are we just going to patchwork even though, even though you got six five-stars, even though you got a top class, even though we get, we're get we giving you $20, 30000000 million in the collective, are you still going to have to get portal guys every year to win? You can't have your own roster full of guys that are already good enough? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's just going to be what college football becomes, but, I mean, this guy was supposed to be billed as someone that was a proven developer of quarterbacks. And that has not happened. Yeah, the quarterback whisperer reputation has been blown out of the water, right? I mean, that, that just can't. He, you know, he had a generational quarterback, um, one who probably shouldn't have finished when he did, but uh, in Jameis Winston, and kind of got his label from that. But you're, you're pointing out some very important facts, is that when he's had less than – less than top-tier talent at that position, they haven't gotten any it's better. Not improved it. Yeah. yeah, just haven't gotten any better, and, and nor is their offense particularly. And, like, I just feel like because you're talking about freshmen contributing, and yeah. I think the, the, the thing is is that freshmen are contributing at an all-time high at quarterback. And mm-hmm. so you're already starting to feel like you know the good quarterbacks for uh, multiple years to come. You're not seeing as many of these guys just get better throughout two or three years like – Like, someone I was really impressed with development-wise a couple years ago was Kyle Trask. I thought Trask got noticeably better from year to year under Mullen at Florida, a guy that wasn't – didn't scream talented, but just just got better. Uh, But you look at college football right now. Kayla Williams was good from the get-go as a freshman at at, at Oklahoma. Now he's at USC. Um, Drake May at North Carolina is awesome as a freshman. C.J. Stroud at Ohio State was awesome as a freshman last year. Obviously, Bryce Young, awesome as a freshman already. All these top quarterbacks, you know, I I, I suppose someone that's developed would be Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. He's someone that Josh Heupel has made better. Well, that's right. And you look at all the successful teams, even in the SEC, and they all know how to coach up quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Bryce Young comes in immediately great. Now, he's a great talent, but he's even gotten better, I think. You're, you're totally right with Heupel. I mean, would you have, if you're a Tennessee fan, I almost think you could run anybody out at quarterback, and I would have confidence in them because of who's coaching them. You know? Well, you see, but you see, then here's the thing, though. We very well could sit three years later in 2025, 2026, and we say, well, man, Heupel faked us out. That was all Hendon Hooker. You see, like I want to, I want to see guys. Yeah, but he's done it at other schools too. Yes, but his success at UCF waned 
It you did. see what I'm saying? It so did. like they had the big offense, but then their defense got so bad that they went eight and four, I think, in his last year at UCF. And so I just want to say, and this was my concern with Kiffin. Obviously, Auburn had a, a coaching search two years ago. I've, I've talked about this. I've cited this a lot in the last few years. Why I'm so much more confident in him now than I was yeah. is I've seen him turn over a complete set of skill skill set players. He went from Matt Crowell, Jackson Dart. He went from a Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor backfield to now a Quinshawn Junkins and and Zach Evans backfield. He's got uh, two of his uh, three receivers are different than last year. And they're still eight and one, mm-hmm. and they might lose to Bama, but guess what? They went ten and two last year. Went to New Year's Six. They might go ten and two, go to New Year's Six this year. And so he proved to me he can turn over, even if Jackson Dart's not incredible. He's not. He's not nearly as good as Matt Corral. No. He's proven to me he can turn a roster over, and this team still be good overall. And so, before I anoint Heupel, I want to see him at Tennessee at this level turn that roster over, which means more in particular turn Hooker over. And then have another team that's it doesn't have to be eleven and one like this team's going to be, but at least another nine ten win team that says okay, very fair. Hooker's awesome, but Heupel clearly contributed to that, and he can contribute to other guys. He can't, you know, it doesn't just it's not just one guy he contributes to because with Fisher, you know, we would have all said and we all did say that he was good at developing quarterbacks, but now in hindsight we say well actually ninety percent of that was Jameis Winston. Right, and now it looks like he can't develop right. quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I, I think it's. I mean, I think it's a fair. I think it's a fair assessment. But I, I'm much more confident that in three years, Tennessee's offense is still going to be good. I mean, I love it. I do love what he's doing there for sure. Let's take our first break of the second hour here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. What a fun conversation we're having about college football, and we want to hear from you three three four eight eight seven three four zero one. When we come back, James from Montgomery is on the line. We'll chat with him here on Sports Call. We have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We're back on Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here on location with Ryan LaVoy at the Auburn Alumni Center. Todd Deary is here as well, the Assistant Director of Marketing and Communication for Auburn Advancement. They've got the big huddle tailgate coming up tomorrow. Todd, tell me something else that's going on right now in the life of the Auburn Alumni Center. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so much. So much going on. Well, uh Let's see, what's around the corner? Uh, our, our next edition of the Auburn Magazine will be hitting uh, people's homes in, oh, let's see, end of November, first couple weeks of December, so be on the lookout for that. We've got a 
We've got a great issue with lots of uh, lots of great stories in it. We've got Tiger Giving Day coming up in February. That's a little down the road, but that's uh, you know we help uh, run that out of here. And Tiger Giving Day is such a great project. Does your watch tell you the date? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's November, November. My brother's birthday, by the way, is Happy Birthday, Jeff. Happy Birthday, Jeff! Yeah. I celebrated my birthday on Monday. Very nice. Um, Tom Peavy, one of our hosts, celebrated his birthday yesterday. A lot of November birthdays everywhere. For sure. He's yeah. A, he's an Auburn grad as well. So. I find myself looking at my watch for the date all the time. I feel like oh, yeah. more times than not, I'm looking at my watch for what day it is as opposed to what time it actually is. I, yeah, that, that's actually a good point. I would say I'm looking at it as much for that as well. I yeah. never I never quite have on the on the tip of my tongue what, I, what day it is. I could figure out what time it is roughly. Yeah. I, just walking and figure, you know. There are other clues, yeah. but... Like, you would have been good with, like, the old sundial. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> that would have been but close like, enough for you. Is it the 11th? Is it the 17th? What's going on? And the watch always tells me. I know. Always how tells how me. Do, how do we live without it? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of uh, fun things that we were chatting about during the break. Um, all right, so we want to take your phone calls. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 9 Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us on the show, we've got... James is there on the program with us. James, how are you, friend? Oh, I'm doing good. What's going on, man? I can't hardly hear y'all. Can you hear us? No. All right, we'll try. We're on location, and, um, yeah, we'll try to uh, change some things up there. I'm getting feedback here on my end, Cam. If uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on then. And uh, have some phone issues. This is fun. This is uh, radio on the fly. James, you got us? Maybe we'll move on from James. And, uh, again, more feedback there, Cam. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 If you want to be on the show, maybe we try for uh, Wardam Steve. Steve, are you there? I'm alive and ready. Can you hear us, Steve? Uh, yep, let's, uh, let, let's move forward here. And again, still getting some feedback. So we're going to go ahead and pay some more bills. Let's go to our next break. We'll get some things organized back into the studio. And we'll uh, continue crazy. moving forward here at the Auburn Alumni Center Sports Call Live, Tiger 95.9 FM. Hey, Cam. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au we're done paying the bills 
Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan LaVoy are here. Also joined by Todd Deary from the Auburn Alumni Center getting set for the game tomorrow. Auburn is playing Texas A&M, and the Auburn Alumni Center has an amazing tailgate that you can come by and see tomorrow. Our thanks again, Todd Bennett, joined us here on the show a little bit earlier for game day for Heroes. Also, Lloyd Nix was on Sports Call. Amazing conversation with the quarterback for the 1957 Auburn Tigers. If you missed that, you'll be able to hear it afterwards on our Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. Let's try some more phone calls. 334-887-3401. James from Montgomery is on Sports Call here with us. James, hello. How are you, sir? Hey, buddy. James, we can hear you. Hello? Hey, James. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, About this big game that we're going to do tomorrow do you think that Auburn might have a slight chance of winning I think they have a very good chance I wouldn't say slight chance I think they have a very good chance of winning um yeah I think so too as well because I know with Robbie Ashford I know he's going to have a lot of um key um players that he's going to actually throw the ball to in the first and second quarter of the game and I think Tang Bixby would be his first choice to actually come out the gate and actually run like a 95 or 97 yard um, touchdown uh, pass from Robbie from Robbie Ashford to Tank Bixby, I think that will be a really good good uh, start to you know to open up that first game. I mean to open up the first quarter of the game as well. That'd be quite remarkable if Auburn were to score a long touchdown like that from uh, Tank Bigsby. I think Ashford uh, wants to be effective in the passing game for sure. He's had a couple of big plays passing to his running backs, and maybe the wide receivers can get loose as well. Maybe Javarius Johnson over the top, or maybe Camden Brown continues to emerge. We've got Coy Moore that's made good plays this season. We'll see what the passing attack looks like for Auburn, because we know one thing. Texas A&M has not stopped the run this season, so Auburn will be able to run the football. Yes, as well, because I know um, I would like to see some great um, plays, you know, in the in the fourth quarter of the game, like maybe over the top or like a trick play, you know, from uh, Cadillac Williams, as he has some of those trick plays that he used to that he used to run um, when he was actually playing for Auburn back in the day. And I would love to see those actually happen this year against Texas A&M as well. Yeah, if if trick plays are a part of the game plan, I'm going to be a big fan of those. I love the element of surprise. That's fun. Yeah, because I know I was looking um, yesterday. I was looking at some highlights from uh, from Cadillac Williams, and I was, you know, trying to see if Robbie Ashford is going to actually put those um, trick plays from you know last few years that we played against Texas A&M to this year of what Auburn is actually going to look like. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow night, actually, and I know it's going to be a it's going to be a loud environment at night. So I know this is going to be very it's going to be a very um, memorable moment as well because I know this is going to 
you know, serve a lot of purpose for the Auburn Tigers to get a big win at home against Texas A&M as well. Without a doubt, I think Auburn is going to be able to pick up a big win. Looking forward to seeing what this team can accomplish. So, uh, James, what else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually going to be watching uh, Gonzaga and Michigan State for the second time this year as well. On the uh, carrier, yeah, that's right, the aircraft carrier, a big basketball game being played. Yes, on the USS Lincoln. So this will be my second time this year actually watching that on the aircraft carrier of the USS Lincoln. And I do have Gonzaga winning that game as well. So it's going to be a really, really fun game. So I think Gonzaga is going to – they're. I'm going to be looking for the key components in tonight's game with Gonzaga and seeing from that time that I actually put Gonzaga – in my March Madness, so I'm just going to see how Timmy is actually going to do tonight against Michigan State as well. So I think Gonzaga wins this one. It will be a 95 to 96 uh, scoring, uh, you know, difference as well. Okay, yeah, Gonzaga's a really good team this season. Drew Timmy is uh, the consensus player of the year candidate coming into the season. He's got a killer mustache per usual out there on the hardwood, and we'll see what uh, Drew Timmy can get done this season for the Bulldogs in basketball. What did you think of my Carolina Panthers last night? Oh, yes, the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I can't, I can't hardly hear you. Okay, can you hear me now? No, it, it sounds like uh, the connection is so far off. Yeah, we're, we're out on location with a different remote. So, James, we'll talk to you on Monday, okay? Okay, I'll I'll do that, all right? All right, War Eagle. All right, that's uh, James from Montgomery joining us on the program there. I was pleased with my Carolina Panthers last night. Big win, 25-15, odd score, but we'll take it. That is an odd score. Well, let's go back to Drew Timmy. Yeah, go back to Drew Timmy. (laughs) First of all, how many years of eligibility does the guy have? (laughs) Is this his 16th year playing? It feels like it, yeah. And secondly, shouldn't there be an all-mustache team? There should, like, yes, yes. What, that would be. I would. I would look forward to that at the end of the year, right? To recognize those yeah. players Who's that are that? like, you know, what I'm going to commit to the stash. Someone in St. Peter's had a good one last year. Was that Edert? Edert yes, did have I a good mustache. Yes, yes. yes. Um, oh, who was the? Who was the? Uh, who was the guy with like the number one, the number two pick in the draft from Gonzaga? Like the first year they had Adam Morris. Adam Morris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had a really good one. Like he might have been one of the first, one of the first all mustache. Must campers. be a Gonzaga thing, you know, like <laughs> a, a rite is. of passage. Like if you're going to be the man, yeah, you got to wear this thing. I think you get up there in the northwest corner of the United States. A lot of people, yeah, no, yeah, you know, you're just that's what there. you do. Yeah, you're looking, right. for, looking for something right. to do, you know. Right. Um, a lot of people is is Drew Timmy going to come back or not come back and. He clearly wanted to play more college basketball. I don't think his prospects at the next level are overwhelming by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't think. So. Yeah, is he going to be? Yeah. A, is he going to be a, even a? Is he going to be a journeyman pro? I don't. I don't even think he'll get that. Yeah. Yeah. He will be drafted at some Second point. Round, I would say. Yeah. yeah, he will be. And then you're going to see the success that he had, and you're going to be like, okay, maybe there's something there, and then, yeah. Nothing's going to really be there. Right. But he's one hell of a college it, basketball player. Style, it's crazy. His style of, of play, you know, is not really conducive to the right. back to the basket. That's right. And, yeah. You know, craftiness. I mean, it's great for, for college and 
there's been some of those Gonzaga guys like that. They've had some big guys over the years. Uh, what was it, uh, Karnowski or, yep. or Karnusti or whoever that was a big, big boy that uh, was on their team four or five years ago. And, I mean, they've had good players. Sabonis? But, uh, Sabonis has worked out in the NBA, though. He is a good player. He's very um, good. But, you but know. He, but he is. Well, I, he that's, shoots, not, that's not a bad analog. Yeah, I mean, he, he shoots it a little bit more. Uh, he's a really good passer. He is. I guess Timmy's decent passer too though i don't know i i just we're not in basketball mode yet yeah we'll watch the game on the aircraft it is a cool sight no doubt yes north carolina played on the aircraft carrier a few seasons ago i'm looking for i I just love like they're actually pulling off a basketball game on this aircraft carrier he wears a headband too much to be really good in the nba doesn't he yes (laughs) yes you remember that period remember that brief period in the nba where guys were wearing headbands again like four or five years ago there was like that season where everybody thought that was cool i personally wear a headband when playing oh you do i really do any athletic activity i'm like i cannot i I play pickleball with a headband oh my gosh yeah that i need to see yes are there photos of this possibly i have to (laughs) i don't know there's photos on the pickleball pickleball court court. certainly in other avenues yes oh man that's fantastic Um, i have to have a headband to play well you're never gonna play in the nba either right (laughs) no kidding yeah (laughs) um so no conversation about the carolina panthers last night no i mean you know, redemption for the kicking woes of two weeks ago right. and that sort of thing. Uh, they, they uh, being division rivals with Atlanta, I mean, they, they clearly had uh, Atlanta's scheme figured out, which had been, you know, Atlanta struggled in division play this year. I think that dropped them to one and three in the division, but that means they're, what, four and two outside or right. four and three outside of the division. So that scheme is, is being picked up on by these NFC South teams, but uh, the biggest takeaway, you know, I, you know, from just the game as a whole, was how bad Mariota played because yeah. he, you know, he's they've made him fit in what they're doing, and they're a really good run team, and he's a, obviously a high quality rusher as a quarterback, um, but he is one of the worst passers in the NFL. He's only averaged about 160 yards a game this year, and he just made some just awful decisions. The the pick he did throw, everyone's talking about the the pick he didn't throw when he was like body down and just slung it up up in the air but you know he threw one across the field you know i mean as he was running out of bounds just throws it back towards the middle of the field that's the biggest no-no a quarterback can do is throw across their body back across the middle of the field and had one or two other plays kind of similar that that could have been picked off um so he's surprisingly bad he's a most quarterbacks that are good runners are also pretty good throwing the ball on the run and he's surprisingly bad at throwing the ball on the run. For yeah, a guy it doesn't help him to. I know. To it's get such out a weird combination. Like um, so you know, I, I think uh, Carolina obviously redeeming that two weeks ago that that craziness game. Um, so I mean, good win for them, but the, the NFC South is just just bad. Now I, mean, I want to lose. It just is. Um, someone's going to win that division at probably eight and nine. Yeah, so. got to get a quarterback because Carolina's now three and one in the division. And, and 0 and o- 6 over against everybody when else, they don't yeah. play NFC South teams. So that's fun. Fun things in the NFL. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger 9 Time for one more phone call in the hour. A few minutes here for our buddy retired war damn Steve is on the show with us. Let's get Steve here on the program. What's going on? Hey, guys. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Can you hear us? Well, I can barely hear you. You sound like you're very far away. Well, that's not ideal. Um, can you? Let's see what we can get out of this. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, beat me up. Uh, 
I just want to let you guys know that uh, I'm ready to go crazy. I know some of you guys will be there. Uh, Ryan, you'll be in the, uh, the game? I will be in the press box with Brooks. Okay, so we we be allowed to yell and say go crazy? Not even a little bit. Professional work environment. <laughs> All right. Uh, I was really, uh, I tell you, I almost felt teary-eyed last night when I saw the 30-second video clip at uh, Baumhauer's of uh, Coach uh, Cadillac uh, coming in with Derek Hall uh, to the uh, standing ovation. Did you guys see that? I did. It was uh, very cool, and again, for a program that's needed something to cheer about this year, it was uh, very cool to see. Yeah, uh, I mean, I read uh, the, the comments on Two Forty Seven Sports. The uh, the owner, uh, apparently uh, an Auburn grad, uh, said he'd never seen anything like it before. Uh, that no other coach had ever gotten a standing ovation. Is that is that uh, correct? I'm uh, not sure. In in uh, in Tiger Talk history, up, I'm not sure. Uh, you'd have to go back and, you know, once you know the coach is coming each and every week. I don't know that a standing ovation comes with it for every single appearance. But nonetheless, that was a really really cool moment last night. Yeah, uh, I'm sure uh, the game is sold out tonight or not. Uh, the basketball, basketball game. game? I, I assume so. I mean, there, there's a lot of people in town. I think pretty much all of Auburn's basketball games will be sold out this year. Yeah, I just saw on uh, Vegas Insiders uh, on uh, their internet uh, website, apparently uh, we're favored tonight by 20.5 points. Is South Florida that bad of a team? Yeah, they're not very good. Uh, South Florida uh, playing the AAC, which is not a bad basketball conference. It can be a multi-bid league for sure, but South Florida has been one of the worst teams in that league for several years now. If you'll remember the game in Tampa last year uh, at Amelie Arena, the side of the SEC tournament, uh, Auburn won a very yucky game. They, they shot poorly. It was some of the worst offense of the year, and Auburn still was able to win that game by about seven or eight points. So, uh, South Florida it has a lot of work to do in their program. This will probably be a lower-scoring game, but if Auburn starts to get it going at all on off, on offense, they'll pull away. Yeah, I saw the total of this game is 133 points. So they expect to be a real defensive game? Yeah, absolutely. Again, like you said, I, I don't remember the exact score, but it was something like 60-something to 50-something in Tampa last year. All right, moving on, guys. I can just barely hear you. Uh, about, about tomorrow night's game. Uh, I'm thinking it will be a low-scoring game, but do you guys see it differently? No, I agree with you. I think, obviously, Auburn shot the ball poorly in the first game. That's something you want to see them do better. But South Florida, again, they are not a good offensive team, so they're going to try and keep the score down too. So for Auburn, their their task is to get the game sped up, start to get transition buckets, uh, and play more in the full court than the half court. Uh, so I think in general it will be lower scoring because I trust South Florida not to score much, especially with Auburn playing good defense against George Mason the other night too. So it's really going to come down to if Auburn can get their three-point ball going. Okay, Ryan, I, my, I apologize. I must have uh, not made myself clearly. I was referring more to tomorrow night's game. Do you guys think that will be a low-scoring game? I think it will be. Yes, as well. I think uh, I think you're looking at a 24 to 20 type of game. Uh, now, both these teams, we haven't broken down the matchup too much, but both Auburn and Texas A&M are very poor rush defenses. So both teams uh, have a running back they really like, Devin Achain for Texas A&M, obviously uh, Tech, uh, Tank Bigsby for Auburn. So I think both teams are going to lean on the ground game, and it's a matter of which team uh, can just execute those short yardage situations when it's third. 
and two and you decide to run? Can you pick up those two yards? Can you stop from committing offensive penalties that make it to where you have to pass the football? And, and, and so I think it will ultimately be low scoring just because these two offenses have just struggled to be consistent this year. Well, you know, I looked at the uh, the rankings in different categories. If Tate Bigsby does not get at least 150 yards tomorrow night, uh, then something's uh, gone wrong because uh, their uh, their defense at the ranks 123rd nationally against the rush. And in the SEC, when they played SEC opponents, SEC opponents have been averaging 145 yards uh, rushing. Yeah, which is actually down from their season average. For the season, they allowed 215. They're averaging 245 yards. 245, uh, there you go. Okay, so that is above their season average. So, yeah, I mean, again, Texas A&M's got a bad rush defense. Auburn, by the way, Steve, they don't rank a whole lot better. They rank 114th in the country. So, again, that's where I kind of get that this is going to be a ground game for both teams. All right, well, uh, I, I wish I could be there. Uh, I I expect it to be just just electrifying and probably just uh, uh, I guess you need to get some earbuds because it's going to be probably extremely loud. Uh, probably maybe kick six loud. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I don't know if he'll get to that level just because, I mean, that's one of the most special moments <laughs> not only in Auburn history but college football history. But I do think it will be the best home environment of the season, and I think you're talking about a full house, a night game, which always helps things. I mean, we know no matter if it's Auburn, LSU, Alabama, it doesn't matter. It's always a little louder and a little more uh, extreme when it is a night game, so that's certainly going to help as well. I think it'll be the best environment of the year, but going back to 2013, 20 2013, some of those special moments in, in Auburn history that were very loud. So I don't think we'll quite get there. I, I agree. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm amazed myself that I'm feeling this excited about uh, two teams that are three and six. Right. Absolutely. Uh, real quickly, guys, before I, uh, you guys let me go, uh, what about uh, tomorrow, tomorrow's game with uh, Ole Miss and uh, Alabama? Uh, do you see any reasonable, realistic chance of Ole Miss putting on an upset? We're going to save that for the final hour of the show. Steve, we got to get out of here. Thanks for the call. All right, War Eagle. That's our good power retired War Dam Steve joining us on the program. Plenty of conversation coming up at that final hour. Alabama on the road at Ole Miss, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. You can watch the game on CBS. We'll talk Auburn and Texas A&M, Georgia and Mississippi State. Tons of games from around the conference. We'll discuss it all in the final hour of Sports Call. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and our pal Todd Deary, we're here at the Auburn Alumni Center. Two hours are in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call today from the Auburn Alumni Center, 317 South College Street. My name is J.J. Jackson, joined by Ryan LaVoy. Cam Berry is back inside our studios. We've got Todd Deary from the Auburn Alumni Center hanging out with us as well as we get you set for Auburn football taking on Texas A&M. Should be a fun game tomorrow night inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. But I want to start with Alabama and Ole Miss as retired Wardam Steve just brought up for us. Big game in Oxford tomorrow. Bama coming off the loss to LSU. Ole Miss has had an off week. They've had some time to prepare for Nick Saban and company. How does this game play out, gentlemen? Well, I mean, I think we talked about earlier this week that most of the country very excited Alabama lost uh, to LSU. But Ole Miss, you could put them in the camp of being not as excited because of their SEC destiny, their chances to try and make the playoff as a one-loss team. Look, all of a sudden, look, the job didn't change. They still got to beat Alabama, but now they got to have LSU lose to either Arkansas or Texas A&M or Ole Miss can win this game, go 11-1 and and, and still not be in the SEC championship game because their one loss is to LSU. So, uh, But nevertheless, still a huge game for them. For Alabama, I mean, they, they obviously need help, and, and you know, I don't – this would be the first time in, in quite some time that Alabama is playing regular season games without a chance to go to the playoff or, or, or without a chance to go to the national championship game. I mean, it's not happened since they had the four-team playoff, so I think probably the last time would be, what, 2010, that they played regular season games and did not have a realistic chance of going to the national championship game. So this is new territory for them. The moment LSU wins another conference game, Bama ain't, ain't going to the SEC championship game. They're not going to the playoffs. So – We'll check on the motivation level there, but I think the X's and O's part of it is Ole Miss is a fabulous run team. They're the best non-service academy rush team in the country by by yardage. Quinshawn Judkins has been the talk of the town. Auburn people lamenting that they didn't recruit Judkins. Even Nick Saban saying a comment earlier this week about they wish they had gotten in a little bit closer on Judkins. And so Ole Miss, when you look at it, Playing an Alabama defense that, you know, is still good. I mean, what a good defense looks like in college football has changed a little bit. They may not compare in your view of of 2012's Alabama defenses, but still, compared to everybody else, is still a good defense. However, not to their standards, and you've seen them give up important drives in late-game situations and that sort of thing. And look, this team has committed a lot of penalties on the road, and this is in Oxford. And so they're going to be very pumped up. I mean, this is, I think this is a, a very close game. Look, two years ago, Ole Miss scored 42 points in this building. Now they gave up, I think, 56 or 63. Yep. Uh, but they, they, they have had some sort of success, at least offensively. 
I think the hope if you're an Ole Miss fan is that you figured out something in the bye week that can at least get a few stops because Ole Miss's defense is still not very good and Bryce Young is still quite good. You're hoping that maybe those wide receivers still are on the same page with Bryce Young as he was around 50% against LSU as a passer uh, and, and that sort of thing. So for Ole Miss to win this game, I do think they'll score. I don't know if it'll be 50, but I think they'll get to 30 points. The question is, can they get Alabama out of rhythm the way they were at times in Death Valley this past weekend? It feels like that bye week is super important for Ole Miss. Uh, I think bye weeks are huge in college football, um, probably bigger than the NFL maybe even. And I, what I really wonder is you have Ole Miss, which is top five in the in the country in rushing Versus, like you said, an Alabama defense that is that is good, particularly good against the particularly good against the run. So I'm really interested to see who kind of who kind of wins that battle. I don't think Kiffin has a good enough quarterback and receiving core that if he's got if he's got to go throw the ball 50 times, they're they're not going to be successful. You know, I don't think I don't think they're going to win. But if they can run the ball with consistency and if they can stick to it and the game plays out where they can stick to it. I think they've. I think they've got a good chance. I would imagine. I would guess that maybe Old Miss gets up early in the game from the bye. They can script a lot of plays, you know, sort of out of the box, that kind of thing. It's. It's a. I, I think I hadn't thought about this, Ryan, but your your point about when was the last time that Alabama played sort of with nothing, with nothing really standards. to play yeah. for? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Although you know, I, as an Auburn fan, I always question: is, is two does, does two losses, or is Alabama to lose five times to not be considered for the playoffs? <laughs> like, when are right. they officially eliminated? Nobody, nobody really knows. I think that's a really good point. It does feel, you know, in the old days, you'd be like, no, Nick's going to put the screws to them. They're going to play super hard. They're going to play super well. But it does feel like these last couple of years that that the Alabama teams are much more unpredictable. They're much, uh, not much more undisciplined, but they are certainly more undisciplined than they've been this year. Certainly is the case. Well, I mean, penalties. Yeah, yeah, you look at the penalties. I think it was about nine for ninety-five or something like that last weekend. But again, in the Tennessee game, it was fourteen or fifteen. It almost set the record for Bama. Um, and, And. you know, it's been everything. It's not just one type of penalty. That's I mean, right. they've had the pass interferences and that sort of thing, but they've had three or four false starts a game. I mean, they, they have they have felt the impacts. It used to be I never thought that Alabama was impacted by a crowd unless it was in Auburn. Mm-hmm. I felt like Auburn's crowd could get to them from time to time. I remember Jalen Hurts not seeing a snap come his way. I've, I saw false starts in Jordan Hare, but it felt like everywhere else they just weren't that rattled on the road. But now I feel like they're rattled almost every every game they play on the road even in the Texas game they they had a lot of penalties in that one they had a lot of procedural penalties i kind of chalked it up at the time as that was like their second or third game of the year so i chalked it up to being early in the season but it's continued all season long and so for Ole Miss uh, i'll tell you one last thing this game will come down to it's going to come down to fourth down cuz Lane Kiffin's going to go for it and he went for it a lot in Tuscaloosa last year. And remember, they didn't yes. really get any of them. No, they I mean, don't. They, they, they really got stopped all the time, whether it was on Bama's red zone or on Ole Miss's own side of the field later in the game. And so you're going to have fourth downs because Lane Kiffin, Alabama will stop Ole Miss some. And then Lane Kiffin, if he's past midfield and it's fourth and less than six, he's going for it, period. Yeah, but he's going to do it. Do you think – so regarding the fourth downs and, and Kevin, question for you both: Do you think, do you think Lane right now going into that game thinks he has a better team than Alabama? Do you think he has a better team? I mean, I could give you, I could give I you. I think he thinks he's going to win. I think he thinks he's going to win. Okay. 
whatever that looks like. I, I, I see the con- – I don't know that he necessarily looks at his group of guys and says, I've got the better football team. He just comes across as incredibly confident each and every week, like I'm the best, I'm going to win this game, Ole Miss is going to win this game, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get it done. Do you think but that – But players for players, I think he's like, I would love to have some of those Alabama guys still. Oh, no doubt. But I still think going into tomorrow's game, he's like, we're going to win – because I'm Lane Kiffin. So does, does, do, that, does that influence points. how often he goes for fourth down, whether he thinks he has a better team than the other team, or do you think that's just part of what he does? I think it would for other coaches, but I think that's just who Lane Kiffin is. I yeah. mean, he, le- he leads the world in fourth down conversions. He'll go for it against the two lanes of the world. He'll go for it against Alabama. I mean, it really doesn't matter because he lives by analytics. Right. And he lives by the book and what the book tells him to do in that situation. And, um, you know, I'm not an analytics guru. I can't tell you every situ- situation, but I can tell you that analytics in general say fourth and two, three, four yards. It really doesn't matter as long as you're at midfield or beyond. He's, it doesn't matter how good your kicker is. He, he doesn't even really care about game situation most of the time. If it's fourth and short, he goes for it, period. Even mm-hmm. if it's fourth and medium around the 35, 40-yard line, that tweener range where you have a great kicker you could try or if you had a good punter you could pin him deep. If it's fourth and six at the 37, he's going for it. I mean, that's just that's just what he does. So I, I don't think it pertains to that, although I do think – you know, trying to think of his psyche as he goes up against the guy that he clearly respects because I think even he acknowledges now in his more mature state that Nick Saban helped him a lot while he was at Alabama. Um, I, I, he, I know he wants this game bad. Oh, yeah. And I know it, it probably turns at him a little bit that he was not the first Saban assistant to beat him. I, I'm sure he wanted to be that guy, but um, it, he'll, he'll be So come to it. Auburn. I mean, let's just make that happen. <laughs> Again, finding a way to bring up the lane train uh, to Jordan-Hare Stadium. You're, you're saying we're ready to watch somebody go for it on fourth down. One here. million percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I need that to happen in my life for sure. Alabama's still got the better players. But they do. But Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, they're like, we're going to win this game. Do you think they're the better team, Alabama or Ole Miss? Who's the better team? Boy. We'll find out on Saturday. (laughs) I think we've gotten to the point where – Tune in. Last week – I still can't believe last week against LSU happened. Yeah. I I would still say Alabama's a little better because I think of it this way. I think Ole Miss can win. I'm unsure what will happen in Oxford, but if it was in Tuscaloosa, I would assume Alabama would win. Yeah. So just yeah. judging off my thought there, that's a fair thought. If it's on a neutral field, I would still lean Alabama as well. If so. Alabama can 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 suppress their run game, to me that's really really crucial. What's the other the game. SEC game tomorrow? That's not Auburn and Texas A and M that uh, piques your interest. Hmm. I know it's Vandy and Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than Vandy and Kentucky, <laughs> you're, you're, I'm assuming you're excluding that. I. Well, I'm still really intrigued by LSU. I think that whole story is a great story. You know, I think having Kelly come in there and kind of got off on the wrong foot and they lose early. And, you know, then now they've – I mean, has any team in the SEC improved more throughout the season than that team? I don't think so. And everybody just knows their role, and that defense has been playing lights out. Arkansas is kind of a little bit of a mystery. You know, I think people were – People are thinking they're going to be more consistent. They got off better. to a good. What was they their did. start this year? They did. They, no, they really not really. They lost the A and M game like in week three or four. That's right. 
Uh, they really didn't get that far into it. And then uh, they lost Alabama. Cincinnati was on their schedule, right? Yeah, was I mean, that, they, they beat yeah. Cincinnati. Okay. I mean, they, they challenged themselves with, like, the cream of the crop group of five schools in their non-conference. They played Liberty, obviously, last week. They played BYU, who was supposed to be good. And they played Cincinnati, who obviously Darling's the last year. Still a good team this year, right. but it's not as good. Uh, my my issue with Arkansas, the Liberty game really messed up how I think about them because yeah. how I thought about them was a really good offensive team when Jefferson's healthy that just is a horrible pass defense team that, that just will have to outscore teams. So to see Jefferson in the lineup and them struggle to score so mildly against Liberty has kind of messed up my world. I don't know how to think about Arkansas anymore because I wrote off Mississippi State. Jefferson didn't play, so it really didn't matter to me that they only scored 14 against Mississippi State because he wasn't in there. And then I wrote off the Bama game as, okay, well, they still scored 26 or 23 or something. Like, I can live with that against uh, an Alabama team that I think allows – what do they allow per game? Uh, Something like 20 points a game. Alabama? Yeah, Alabama – Something uh, 18. 18 points a game. So I can live with scoring 20-something on Alabama with Jefferson. So I, I still thought Arkansas was a good <laughs> offensive team, but now I'm I'm confused by that. So, But it's a big game, Todd, because, I mean, LSU wins a game. Alabama is out. That's right. And I really don't see their path to a playoff without going to the SEC title game as a two-loss team because LSU – is a two-loss team, and we're all saying they have to go win the SEC title and beat Georgia, and then we'll see where that puts them. Um, so I, Bama's got to have LSU lose these two games. We are broadcasting live from the Auburn Alumni Center, 317 South College Street. The huddle tailgate is taking place tomorrow. We've got one more pair of tickets for Auburn versus Texas A&M. Come by and say hello to us, and you can get a pair of tickets to tomorrow's game between Auburn and the Aggies. Let's get a call in here real quick. 334-887-3401. Our next caller due up on the program is... Tony from Tuskegee. Tony has called into the show. Hi, Tony. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? Yeah. I hear all that flabbergasting about Alabama. Alabama win by three touchdowns tomorrow. Over Ole Miss? Alabama win by three touchdowns. What gives you that confidence? Well, I watched the, I watched the guy, um, the little running back everybody talking about. I watched him playing high school. He's a he's a good running back, but he's not just a, just a top notch running back. He had a good game against BTW and all that, but you know when it gets start getting down to the nitty gritty. Alabama will be ready tomorrow. You probably see some plays that Bill O'Brien hadn't run all year. His job is on the line, and Pete Golden's job is on the line. And thirdly, I'll get a chance to watch history tomorrow. I'm so excited, Tony, that we got no, you. That'll be, the history will be... First black coach winning the game in Jordan House Stadium. That's right, and I'm glad that you get to be there. I'm really glad that you get to be there. Yeah, and um, and I got one other thing. I was on the place this week, and um, I, I won't say where. I mentioned it. I mentioned it to Shay. Some well-off people. They just about guaranteed 
prime time coming to Auburn. In fact, I was down Gulf Shores. But I won't say where, but it was some prominent people. They um prominent old um Caucasian guys and um they just saw me wearing my Alabama stuff and I asked me where I was from. And um I um told them Tuskegee and I told them I was like a few a few miles from Auburn. They were saying right. this kind of an interesting thing going on in Auburn. But those older guys, um, they just about guaranteed that prime time will be at Auburn and say, um, Cadillac setting the table for him. Yeah, Cadillac's doing a great job, and I think it's going to be a fun game. And, Tony, we're glad that you get to be there, man. Thanks for your uh, loyal dedication to our radio show. It means the world. Have a good time tomorrow at the game. Mm -hmm. All right, that's Tony from Tuskegee joining us on the program. We shall see who that next football coach is going to be for the Auburn Tigers. Here's a couple of Auburn updates I did want to get to uh, regarding tomorrow's game. Hearing that uh, T.J. Finley has still been away from the team. Uh, His status remains unclear what the future may be. Reports are out there that his parentals are not too thrilled that a coaching change was made without them being notified, which is a little strange. Uh, And and so, yeah, Robbie Ashford will continue to be uh, the starting quarterback for Auburn. And then the other big update regarding Auburn football going into tomorrow is it appears we are set to see the debut of Alex McPherson as the kicker for Auburn. Anders Carlson has had some setbacks with his repaired ACL injury. We have seen that in his play since he has come back from the major injury, uh, but he has been very, very limited in practice this week. So, fellas, it, uh, we'll see the debut of Alex McPherson, the number one kicker in the country and uh, younger brother of Evan McPherson, who starred at Florida and is now the starting kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. Alex McPherson set to debut tomorrow for Auburn. That's big. That guy, when he kicks the ball, you can hear it, you can hear it three counties over. Right. This kid has an absolute, I don't know if you can say a cannon for a leg, because right. that's not how it's usually phrased, but right. if you could, that's how you would say it. He really can. I've seen him just kick on the field a few times, and he absolutely thumps it. Yeah, I think a lot of people were excited uh, to see him and, you know, frustrated for Carlson just because he did go through the knee injury and is clearly not kicking the way he has at, at times in his Auburn career. But I also I think it's smart for Auburn because McPherson, I mean, just like any other position, McPherson's going to be your future at that position. You're going to want him to be the kicker here for two, mm-hmm. three, four years. And, and Anders Carlson's out of eligibility after this year. so And it's actually probably better for Anders anyways because he's not looking really good. Right? I mean, you know, he's not looking really good. If he wants to try to make a team, he needs to go get healthy and, sure. right. and you know, if he's going to kick in the NFL. Let's get one more caller before our next break. 334-887-3401. We go to the phone lines, and the next caller due up is... Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has called into the program. Hey, Anthony. Hey. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, I tell you, uh, did y'all see Malik Willis the other night? Uh, yes, we did. Hello? Yeah, we saw Malik Willis. Did you guys see Malik Willis the other night? We did. Hello? We did watch him play. Can you hear us? 
All right, we have lost Anthony there. Yeah, we're on location, a couple of technology issues here on our part. If you want to be a part of the show, we'll try and get your phone calls on Monday. So we'll redirect all phone calls to Monday. Let's go ahead and we'll take our next commercial break here on the program. When we come back, we'll begin to wind down here on a Friday edition of Sports Call. Coming to you live from the Auburn Alumni Center. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy broadcasting live from the Auburn Alumni Center. The Huddle Tailgate is coming up tomorrow. It'll be the last one of the year. It opens at 3.30 right here at uh, 317 South College Street. Be sure to pre-register for a quick check-in. For more info, go to aub.ie slash the huddle or call 334-844-2586. Game day watch parties can be found online if you're not going to the game, alumni.auburn.edu. AUB.ie slash look good. Upcoming graduates can make a donation back to Auburn and receive their commemorative medallion to wear at graduation. Auburn will take on Texas A&M from Jordan-Hare Stadium tomorrow. One of seven SEC games set to be played. Also LSU Arkansas, Alabama Ole Miss, Vanderbilt Kentucky, Missouri Tennessee, Georgia Mississippi State, and South Carolina Florida. South Carolina, a 6-3 and three record on the year, 3-3 three and three in the league, and Florida now 5-4 and four with a 2-4 and four record in the Southeastern Conference. Those two teams in the SEC East, Ryan, the uh, Spurrier and, and Will Muschamp Bowl uh, of South Carolina and Florida. More notably the Spurrier Bowl. I don't think the two care as much to <laughs> share Muschamp. stories about Will Muschamp. The, the stories the two would share about uh, Spurrier would be mostly positive. Right. The stories they'd share about Muschamp would be mostly negative. Be like, ah! Uh, yeah, it'd be reminiscing good times versus bad times. What's but, the state of these programs nine games into the season, would you say? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's tough to judge first-year coaches um, in totality. Right. I, I know people would love to jump to conclusions. Obviously, when Billy Napier got Florida that victory over Utah, who has proven to be a good team. It's not a down year for Utah. Just It was a setback to start the year. I think Florida maybe rushed to conclusions that their rebuild would be very quick right. and that they could have a 9- or 10-win team this year. And that has not come to fruition. And then for South Carolina, I think with what Shane Beamer sells, with his very energetic, uh, very much can-do attitude, I think the thought with South Carolina might be in a position to surprise some people in a positive way. And, you know, they're not far off of doing that. If they had beaten Missouri, which was a bad loss, they'd be 7-2 and two right now. 
and, and I think they would be qualifying for what Beamer was selling. The, the problem for them is their last two games, they host Tennessee, which would be incredibly difficult, and at Clemson, who I know people would like to crap on right now, but Clemson is still uh, a really good football team, and it will be in Clemson. So South Carolina could still finish 6-6 six and six if they can't get this done in the Swamp. So the state of South Carolina program's fine. I mean, that's close to their expectations. South Carolina, not historically a great program. And then for Florida, you're always going to be disappointed at 5-4. and four. There's, there's just no question about that. But I think it's still too early to tell what you're talking about there with Billy Napier. They did go to College Station last weekend and win. And then Florida still does have Vanderbilt on their schedule. So they shouldn't have a problem being bowl eligible. That Florida State game at the end of the year could be quite interesting. For Napier's perspective, if you can beat South Carolina, who does technically have a better record than you for now, yeah. you go to Vandy and win, and then you go to Tallahassee and, and knock off Florida State. And for the time being, Florida State is in the top 25. You finish 8-4 and four with a win against arch-rival FSU. I don't think the, the sky will be falling in Gainesville. So the state of the programs, they're, they're not in flux. They're just not proven. You know, they're just kind of unknown right now how healthy the, the Florida program truly is. They're doing a better job recruiting as the season has gone along. And then for South Carolina, you know, they're probably not where Shane Beamer tried to sell you that they were. But that still doesn't mean for South Carolina's expectations that it's in a bad place. Those three games left on the schedule for South Carolina. Florida tomorrow. You host Tennessee next weekend. And then Clemson. I mean, the toughest part of their schedule yeah. for sure. And that's always the context of the South Carolina season is normally they had a nice, intense South Carolinian rivalry with Clemson, uh, a pretty like-minded program. Clemson not known for ravish success in in college football prior to Dabo Sweeney. However, Dabo Sweeney has changed the thought on the Clemson program. You've gone from playing someone that's a lot like you if you're South Carolina to playing someone that is competing that's much closer to what Alabama and Ohio State have been the last six or seven years. I mean, in fact, Clemson has been every bit as successful, at least as Ohio State has been. I think you could make the argument Clemson's the second most successful program in the playoff era, just how many times they've appeared and that the fact that they are the only other multi-champion along with Alabama. So, you know, that game has really kind of killed South Carolina sure. at the end of the season. But with Clemson having some quarterback problems and, and South Carolina trying to trying to improve, I mean, you know, there's a clear gap there. But uh, South Carolina's working on it. And a lot of people's perception of Clemson is not as good as it was a couple years ago. So, um, you know, Seth, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle for South Carolina to win those games. But – Still, 6-3 and three for now. If they do get the floor to win, I, I think they can live with a seven-win season. As we get set to move forward and close down the show of Sports Call here today, really excited to be on the air uh, here at the Auburn Alumni Center. Fun things are happening at uh, in the life of the Auburn Alumni Center, and it's a fun huddle tailgate coming your way tomorrow. You can listen to Auburn men's basketball tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off. You can listen to the game on FM Talk 93.9 as Auburn takes on South Florida. I went back to get official confirmation. 58-52 was the final score of the basketball game last year. Auburn. That's awful. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> that Auburn. Is, that is awful. 
Auburn uh, obviously didn't pay off too much as they didn't win an SEC tournament game, but they they needed to get their eyesights right yeah. in, uh, in Tampa because they Sheesh. they they did not play well offensively. Neither did South Florida, obviously, but South Florida you kind of expect expect that from in Auburn in Neville Arena tonight. I think it'll be a, a little different story, but I mean there is reason to believe that Auburn's not going to go out there and score ninety. Let's uh, before we get out of here, let's celebrate our birthdays. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here today on November 11th of 2022. Brought to you by our friends at Max Credit Union. Stop by Max Credit Union. Two locations in the area. One in Auburn on Gay Street. One in Opelika on Frederick Road for all of your banking needs. Celebrating his 36th birthday today is Mark Sanchez, the former NFL quarterback and current NFL analyst with Fox. He played four years of college football at Southern Cal. Drafted fifth overall by the Jets. Also played with the Eagles, Broncos, Cowboys, Bears, and Redskins. He was an all-rookie team player in 2009. Now Mark Sanchez is turning 36. Man. I will not bring up the butt fumble. I will not (laughs) bring up the butt fumble. He's good on TV. I enjoy Mark Sanchez. Uh, All right. Also celebrating his 36th birthday today. Victor Cruz, the former NFL wide receiver, played four years of college football at UMass, but only saw playing time his last two years due to academic issues. Go to class. Uh, Signed with the Giants as an undrafted free agent of the 2010 NFL Draft. Also played with the Bears, won a Super Bowl championship, and was a one-time pro bowler in his career, known for his salsa dance. When he scored touchdowns, he, he's the uh, he's one of the NFL versions of one hit wonders. Yes, we always talk about that music where you you have one big single, maybe maybe even one big album, and it's just like I don't know where that person went. Victor Cruz is kind of like that. He 2012, awesome, played a role in the Super Bowl, obviously, and then after that, he just I don't know, I, I couldn't tell. I you. have vivid memories of playing with him on Madden, yeah, and utilizing the speed and the moves, and yeah, good things were happening there. Um, okay. Big fan of Eli Manning. That's where Eli he went. Manning he went into the virtual yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jason Grelly is turning 46. The former MLB pitcher played three years of college baseball at Seton Hall. Drafted fourth overall in the 1997 MLB draft by the Giants. Made his debut in 2000 with the Florida Marlins. Also played with the White Sox, Tigers, Rockies, Rangers, Pirates, Angels, Braves, and Blue Jays. A one-time All-Star in 2016. A, uh, a fun player, a relief pitcher, Jason Grilly turns 46. The more we do this, the more you realize how many teams some of these players played yeah. for. I mean, that's that's eight different places in, what, a 15-year career yeah. or so? I mean, that you're playing a new city every two years. I mean, good pitcher, too. I mean, I know he wasn't always a dominant closer, right. but he had four or five years there where he got to be one of the better closers. And then finally, our last birthday today, Philip Lahm is turning 39 years old. The former Bayern Munich and German national team right back. Played all but two years of his professional career with Bayern Munich. Eight-time Bundesliga winner, a Champions League winner, back-to-back years in 2012 and 2013. And Philip Lahm won the World Cup in 2014 with Germany, a World Cup, Ryan, that starts very soon. Yeah. Very, very soon. I mean, what, what, a week or two? Yes. I mean, it starts because, I mean, I keep going back to – I can't get over that they're – A, because the time of the year, is it's always in the summer, but B – 
The United States of America is going to play England. Literally, the I think the biggest matchup for U.S. people, just not because England's the very best at soccer, but because it's got the biggest league. Right. And therefore, a lot of people follow that country, and a lot of people follow that league's teams. And, and so for the U.S. to play England on the day after Thanksgiving yeah. um, on Black Friday, uh, that that's just not a dynamic that you're – maybe ever gonna, I mean probably ever we'll see again so I mean it, it makes it very intense and a lot of people uh, think the U.S. team is in good shape although they did lose a couple friendlies there their last couple friendlies leading up to the World Cup so who knows with U.S. soccer that's birthdays and sports brought to you by our friends at Max Credit Union all right before our show ends today here's your TV guide on sports call But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Awesome stuff. It's our Nightly TV Guide, and it's brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. White Claw Hard Seltzer available at your local TK's convenience store. Best strength of the weekend. Uh, on television tonight, college basketball galore. We've got number 16 Villanova and Temple at 6 on ESPNU. Fun matchup. That's a battle of Philadelphia schools right there. That, that That's going to be a heated rival. means a lot to the state. Sure. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Stanford and Wisconsin at 6.30 on FS1. Auburn plays volleyball against Ole Miss on the SEC Network Plus at 6.30. Auburn plays basketball against South Florida at 7 on the SEC Network Plus. And Pitch Perfect gets started at 6.30 on E. Some television events for you this evening. And our nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Going to be a fun weekend, man. A lot yeah. of good things coming up. Yeah, another full weekend of college football, but also Auburn basketball tonight. Uh, as we've been mentioning that South Florida game. And, you know, I mean, this is that time of year where you, you've got so much going on. And, again, really excited for Auburn's opportunity Saturday night just because of the excitement of the program. Again, I... You know, I know it's been a really rough season, but how long do we spend previewing the next season? And so trying to enjoy each game as Amen. it comes and just being able to, to have some excitement around a team. Of any other 3-6 and six team at Auburn is not going to have this much excitement Amen. around it, nor should it. But with, with, with interim Cadillac Williams, obviously a lot of people are hyped up. He is very hyped up. And just, ho- just hoping for a good, fun result Saturday night for all the people that – have again put a lot of energy and effort into into giving it one last try i guess for the season coverage of the game starts tomorrow at 3 30 you can listen on fm talk 93.9 kickoff set for 6 30 again listen on fm talk 93.9 or on the tiger communications app auburn basketball tonight tipping off at seven o'clock and we've got high school football tonight as well right here on tiger 95.9 fm the Beauregard hornets get set to play some football a little bit later this evening in Mobile at UMS Wright. We're thinking about our Brooks brother, Brooks Childress and Tim Sin and company hanging out for uh, that game a little bit later this evening. Well, Ryan, always fun to come by the Huddle Tailgate and uh, hang out here at the Auburn Alumni Center. Yeah, had another good show here. Uh, go sign up for the Huddle. Come, come to the Alumni Center tomorrow. 
Uh, as we've been talking about, they're going to open three hours before kickoff. You, uh, they'll close 30 minutes before kickoff, so you can come right as you're headed to the game. You can hang out for a while, just stop, bet, stop by and say hello. But uh, we've been really blessed to come here a couple of times each of the last couple of years. Um, and it was fun hanging out with, with Todd Deary, as, as always. And uh, just highly recommend coming by and say hello to, again, this part of the Auburn family. This is what makes Auburn special. And uh, come see some fellow alumni before the game tomorrow. And with that, that is, in fact, going to do it for today's edition of Sports Call. What a fun show it was. Here again, coming to you live from the Auburn Alumni Center, 317 South College Street. We will be back on the air on Monday at 3 o'clock to recap the Auburn Tigers game against Texas A&M and look ahead to Western Kentucky and what will be the final home game of the 2022 season. Our thanks again to the Auburn Alumni Center for hosting us today. Thank you to Todd Bennett who stopped by game day for Heroes. Mr. Lloyd Nix, the former Auburn quarterback, was on Sports Call here today. And thanks to Todd Deary for being on the program with us. Thanks to Cam Berry back inside the studio. For Ryan Lavoy, my name is J.J. Jackson. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you and good day.